Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Stella, an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking about how lucky we are, both of us, to have recordings of the voices of the people that we've lost. Obviously, in your case, your mum, Sharon, and in my case, my dad, Tom. And it's a very particular, special thing to have those recordings. Can you speak a little bit about that, Stella? Yeah, I've got quite a few recordings, and it's one of those things that you you don't really think about until you've gone through what we've gone through of losing somebody, and all of a sudden you start desperately going through your messages and live loop photos as well I've been going through just to get, like, snippets bits of my mum's voice because it just makes me smile every time I hear her voice so one of the voice messages I've got is just where she left me a message about a birthday present for my brother I don't know when it would have been maybe in the last few years um but at the end she kind of the way she says okay call me back love you darling and it's so her and the way that she says it and you know sometimes I've been for evenings where I've just almost sat and listened to it on loop just keep rewinding listen rewinding listen um and I love you know I love hearing her voice and having it there and it's one of those things that I've kind of I've done my backup on my phone now to make sure that I never lose those conversations and you know I want them there and even like my sons have said to me I can't remember what nanny sounds like and I'm like well have a listen um, and I've got I've got those sort of messages with her voice um which to me still feels so present do you feel you know, that she's close yeah very much very much so and it's taken me a long time to come to that and again it's something that I never really thought about until I lost my mum and you kind of go through that sort of anger and bitterness at the start and not understanding it and then I've kind of feel like I've come out of that it's been two years and what date are we on today 20th 26 days since mum died and I feel I feel really close to her now like it's almost come full circle and I've kind of had to accept that she's not here anymore in the way that she was she's not at the end of the phone anymore for me to call every day and sort of say what you're having for lunch or what you're watching on telly at the minute she's not around to go for coffees with but she's I kind of hear her voice in my head every day when I'm at work or when I'm dealing with my sons or something I might just kind of go and I can almost hear her saying chill out <laughs> yes let's let's listen to your audio now it's ring back to get a minute hi darling love you she always used to sign off like that is that right? A phone call? Yeah, yeah. She was very much a sort of usually had the word darling and stuff when she said goodbye to me. You know, happy, happy go lucky sounding. So that's to me, that's a real mum sound and sign off, you know, and same with her text messages. We always used to joke in the family, her text messages would always have like, you know, 50 kisses and 20 emojis. Then again, you know, I've still got all of those, all of her messages on WhatsApp and on my phone that I'll sit and scroll through sometimes and you know I love I love to have those memories of her and that's all I've that's all I've got now real world of mum you know to those photos 
voice snippets, messages, all of those things you kind of like grab hold of and you just want them all around you. And my dad had a very sort of deep giggle, you know, obviously I've captured on audio, which is great to listen to the uh, recording between dad and my mum. They have this really nice banter going on generally. And that sort of interplay is just brilliant to have for time immemorial, really. So I think we're both very fortunate. Yeah, we're so lucky. I guess this, this day and age, we, you know, we don't have anything of my my granddad for example who died in 1995 we we've got photos and things but we don't have anything to remember his voice but you know that said I still remember his voice I can close my eyes and hear his whistle and stuff so it's you know we're lucky that we've got them that they're there at the drop of a hat to listen to but I don't think it would ever stop me remembering her voice in in a lot of ways yes I also remember coming across a photo of my father with my daughter, a photo that I'd forgotten I'd ever taken but hadn't seen in absolutely years. And there was this sort of thrill. It was a sort of almost a rediscovery of him. But it was really lovely but unusual. Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, I think I've enjoyed things like that as well when I found photos that you maybe took that didn't mean much at the time. Like the last photo I have with my mum, I was at her house it was a really horrible rainy day. We were kind of in that horrible um, phase of tearing. It was in November 2020. And I'd taken the boys down during half term and I'd had a really stressful week at work. And my dad was in the front room with the boys and me and my mum were just having a cup of tea and messing around with a pack of cards that we'd been playing with with the boys. And for some reason, I just said, oh, let's get a photo of us being miserable and held up my camera and have this photo. Neither of us look particularly great in it, but it is that last photo that now I look at and I kind of think, gosh, it was, you know, that was that was really lovely. I took that totally for granted that we were having a cup of tea and just to chat about work and, you know, that the tier systems for COVID were a bit annoying. That meant that we couldn't really go out and do much. And, uh, you know, that was, that's another sort of photo that I'll treasure. But also I've got photos where we're at, you know, my brother's wedding, for example, or something, which have so much meaning now because all of those photos are kind of like the last time, you know, the last wedding that mum will come to with us, the last birthday, the last everything so I totally understand that I was frantically looking for a photo from my dad's last Christmas I always take lots of photos and for whatever reason that Christmas I didn't take one and was frantically asking relations you know do you happen did you happen to take a picture and no so I'm sort of you know beating myself up for that really yeah that's that's really tough you know, I think that's one of the saddest things, isn't it? When you lose somebody, all of those regret um, that you have, where there was one message, a text message that my mum had sent me, and it said it was missed call. And then underneath, I'd replied and said, just about to present to a math room full of people, can't talk, speak later, kiss, kiss. Um, and that was sort of in October 2020. And now I look at it and I think, oh, why are you so busy that you couldn't speak to your mum? That's ridiculous. It, you know, it's just, it, you put things into perspective, don't you? Because you're like, what I wouldn't give now for her to call me and me to pick up the phone. And, you know, I'd drop everything for that, just for that sort of 10 minute chat of what did you watch last night what are you doing this weekend but you know life is life isn't it unfortunately and you never know what's around the corner and um, so sometimes yeah you don't get those calls or you do have to send someone to voicemail and you know that's that does make me sad when I think about those times where yeah. maybe I wasn't you know there 
and you know that is that you can beat yourself up about those kind of things and kind of go I should have picked up that call or I shouldn't have done this um you know (laughs) thank you tell me who was Sharon what was she like as a mom as a person yeah she was lovely really I mean you know she was she was just like your normal person walking along getting on with her life doing her thing working she was a few years off of retirement she'd just turned 64 for me as my mum she went through so many different roles because little girl she was like the doting mum always there for me you know let me sleep with her when I was probably should have been sleeping in my own bedroom and never fussed over it good mum during my teen years and then in my 20s kind of became a good friend because she was quite young when she had me she was 20 years old so we suddenly found we had a lot in in common through my 20s and then when I went into my 30s she was there for me when I had both of my boys and was kind of the sort of person that I'd phone up after a rubbish day and she'd sort of make me you know would never judge me would let me know that you're doing a good job you know kids are a nightmare just you know tomorrow's a new day and you know I loved that about her and you know my husband said to me what do you miss most about your mom and I was like I just miss having that person that never judged me that was kind of always there at the end of the phone or always there for a coffee that never judged you when you said oh, you know I've had this rubbish day or whatever and you know that's that's really you never get that from I'll never get that from anyone else you know that was her unique perspective she was very very chilled out she absolutely loved upcycling furniture and I've got lots of her furniture in my house now she was really really into that if she could if mum could paint it, she'd get out her Annie Sloan paints and go for it. She absolutely loved chill out music. She loved shopping and she always used to call it mooching because it wasn't necessarily about buying stuff, but it was more about mooching around the shop and just having a look. And it usually entailed having about three coffees on the on the way around. You know, but for me, she just played so many roles throughout my life. It, the last couple of years have been really difficult, you know, knowing that she's not there on a day-to-day basis and that I've had to kind of change my relationship with her because where I've got to is I believe that she still exists somewhere out there you know she's still there watching over me watching over my siblings and she's not there every day anymore to sort of be on the end of the phone or be able to visit but somewhere she is still there and I've you know that's taken me a long time to kind of get through that grief to where I am now which is trying to be more positive and you know live my life in a way that would make her proud and also not waste any opportunities. We'll come on to the sort of theme of of this series, which is just how complicated grief, COVID-19 grief is, and the sort of surreal, almost dreamlike element of of that loss. I wanted to ask if there's a particular standout memory that you have, that you cherish now, whether it's mooching around or happy time, anniversary, or anything that you revisit quite often. Yeah, um, I mean, when we were, when I was in my 20s, we went to... Paris together quite a few times on sort of weekend trips. So I have some really fond memories of that. And me and one of my sisters went to Paris at the end of last year. I was kind of saying to my sister, oh, mum and I came here and we sat and had coffees. And so, you know, having those memories is really precious. But probably the most recent memory was in September 2020. We sort of had a small surprise birthday party for mum. Um, because again, I think we'd come out of that initial first wave of COVID. We had the summer and we were kind of get, getting into the stage where we could have small gatherings in the garden. Um, so we had a lovely day. 
Um, Mum was coming up with my dad and two of my sisters, but I'd also invited along both of my brothers and their partners as well to come in as a surprise. Um, and we just had such a fun day, it, you know, and it's it's funny because it wasn't a particularly special birthday for her. You know, it wasn't her 60th, it was her 64th. So there was no reason really for us to do that other than the fact that we kind of felt like we'd not really had been able to have a gathering because of of covid but yeah it's such a such a great day and we'd like planned a few outdoor games we'd planned a really silly routine for some of my siblings to come in and surprise her through the back garden gate we were playing that silly song happy birthday to you and i just put it on and was sort of like oh this is a good song isn't it mom and then all of a sudden my brothers and their partners all came through the back gate dancing to it and she thought that was hilarious and again you know things like that you kind of go that that wasn't a special birthday so why did we do all of that and I'm so glad we did you know just having those really happy happy times and that day as well for some other random reason my sister-in-law had bought a new camera along so she was like let's do family shots so we've also got some shots of my mom with all the siblings that again we hadn't if you know of course we take family shots and but posed family shots we don't really do that often so the on that day, we have like a collection of photos of all of our siblings with my mom. I just think it's so special because, again, we didn't know what was ahead of us. You know, in two months after that really nice sunny day in September, mom was going to get COVID and was going to become seriously ill with it and, and not come back. And, you know, having those photos and knowing that we had that family time together is so important now. It's lovely. Talk me through then how your mum fell ill. Yeah, she contracted COVID through um, a relative was, I'd say, just very fluy initially. So I live about an hour, an hour or so's drive from mum. So I was on the phone to her quite a bit and she was just saying, oh, a terrible fluy. And this was at the start of December 2020 and it was my brother's 30th birthday one of my brother's 30th birthdays on the on the weekend so we'd planned a kind of zoom family get together on the Saturday night because I think we were in tears by then and my mom was in Kent so they weren't allowed to leave their area um so we had the sort of zoom call on Saturday night which was a couple of hours because my sister-in-law had planned some games um, but we could all see that mum was unwell. So after about sort of 40 minutes, we were like, why don't you go off to bed? Which she did, sort of waved goodbye to us all. Um, and I kept in touch with her. And then it just got a bit worse, sort of by the Tuesday. One of my sisters then called an ambulance. They came, took her in. She was in hospital for 24 hours. And then they let her out sent her home and then when she got home she was I was keeping in touch with her she was just sleeping massively said she had a terrible headache but I kind of thought that was just getting through COVID and then on the Friday she started being sick she was a, a lot worse and we called another ambulance that would have been about December the 10th and then she was taken in she spent a few days in hospital she was probably in for two days before they put her on the CPAP we kind of thought it was all going to be all right I think that's the thing that we were so naive in a way because mum wasn't really mum wasn't considered high risk she, she certainly wasn't old you know she just turned 64 everything that the sort of nurses were saying to us seemed quite positive you know we'll put on the CPAP that will help I was still texting mum you know I had a conversation with her on the Saturday night quite a long conversation 
I was watching a film and I remembered a conversation was about the film I was watching. And then it just all went really wrong at the start of the following week. And then on, I think, the 15th of December, they called me and said that she was going to um, be intubated, go on to the ventilator, which at that moment I knew wasn't good. You know, they sort of had said to me, we don't want people to go on ventilators really, but we're sure the CPAP will work. So she went on to the ventilator. We didn't get to speak to her. She'd already been ventilated by the time they called us. It just all seemed a bit manic, to be honest. I mean, it was a bit of a nightmare getting hold of the nurses anyway. But we were told that mum had signed the form to say that she was happy to be intubated. Presumably, she was in quite a bit of distress at that moment anyway. So felt it was the right thing to do. And then a few hours after she'd been intubated or as she was being intubated, we got another call to say that she'd had to be um, resuscitated because she technically had I suppose a heart attack from a clot on her lung a, a COVID clot is how they described it to us and again for someone with no pre-existing heart conditions that just seemed crazy but that put her into a really bad way then and they told us on that day to, that she wouldn't make it through the day and that a relative should come in and say goodbye so we did all drive down to Kent to the hospital and my brother had already gone in but then she made it. That was the 15th of December. She made it through the night and then she made it every day after that up until the 25th of December when my brother did the call in the morning and they sort of said, oh, the doctor will be calling you later. And again, really naively, we'd kind of told ourselves, you know, no one ever dies on Christmas Day. So let's just try. We were all at our individual home in lockdown. Um, let's just try and get on with Christmas Day, do our calls to the hospital, keep keep strong for mum. But that call kind of changed everything on Christmas morning. And my brother sort of messaged the siblings and said, apparently the doctor's going to be calling one of us to talk about mum. And that's when my eldest brother got the call. Um, he, he was most local to the hospital, so he was kind of the named person to be close by. And they sort of said to him, you know, we, we asked you to come to the hospital today because she is, this is end of life now today. Um, and she passed at about, I think it was 8.15pm on Christmas Day. And um, my brother's called and let me know. And, uh, my word. It was probably, yeah, I'd put it up there with the worst moment of my life. I, You know, you see these things on TV where people let out this like unbearable cry. And that's exactly what happened. I remember just sort of almost falling to my knees and just in absolute disbelief that somebody could be taken away from me that I love so much and um sorry it's quite emotional take your time and then my husband said I need to go and tell the boys and they were upstairs lining up their Christmas presents because they were gosh youngish at the time I can't do the calcs at the minute 11 and 9 so they knew that my mum was poorly but we had kind of filled their heads with Nanny will be fine she's just being looked after by the hospital um and he went up and Told them both. And then I heard their feet running down the stairs and they just we just all clumped together, basically. I just remember just being hugged then with them crying as well. And that was Christmas Day 2020. When she rallied, did you at that point feel that she would be okay? When she was intubated. Yeah. Yeah, we really did. I don't know whether we were... I still don't feel like I have all the answers on that. And I have sort of had to move on from it a bit. It was really difficult to get hold of any nurses. Sometimes you'd be... We used to take it in turns to phone because sometimes it could take you up to an hour to get through. The nurses were probably sometimes falsely positive. And then you'd get a nurse who'd be really down. So you would 
it was like a roller coaster. The 10 days when mum was on the intubator, sometimes they'd be like, yeah, she's doing well. And then other times you'd have a nurse that would just come on and say, well, she's 100% on the ventilator. You know, this is this is difficult. And we had had a few calls with the doctors where they'd said she's in critical condition. This is really serious. But I think you you have to have hope at times like that, don't you? And I think we really did have hope. We talked about mum coming home and, you know, who would look after her. I, you know, we talked positively. We, we didn't actually believe that this would happen to us. So, yeah, we, you know, we were probably a bit naive. I'm not sure if some of my siblings were. I feel like my older brother probably had a bit more of a gauge. He's a different person to me. I feel like me and the younger sibling possibly felt that she was coming home and you know that's certainly what we told all the grandchildren as well so it was a real shock you know those days after Christmas and then into January planning a funeral was just absolutely surreal I didn't speak to a doctor until March 2021 about why they thought mum had died you know three or so months after and even then you know the doctors they don't really have any answers they they don't know they don't know why some people go in and you know the doctor actually said to me we just don't know when someone comes in at the moment with covid we can't call it you know all we know is that we're at emergency levels and we're doing the best we can but we just don't know who's going to survive this and who isn't who's going to respond to the cpap who isn't who's going to be intubated who's not and i think the general sense is i think the doctors and nurses were you know clueless in a lot of respects to, to this virus and what it could do to people I don't have any blame towards the doctors and nurses I mean everyone that was caring for mum was round the clock and you know did a did a brilliant job but you know I, I wish things could have been different I wish maybe she hadn't been sent home that first time I wish I wish maybe it's very difficult because I feel like she was unlucky because her age was slightly on the younger side of 60 she didn't have any major health conditions I think that she was probably pushed to the side a little bit as she'll be fine we'll just keep giving her oxygen and actually the problem with COVID from what I understand of it is that it's a silent killer sometimes in your body so people that seem like they're coping with it okay are actually having so much damage done to their lungs and the amount of fluid building up in there means that there's no option for them to be ventilated but once they're ventilated they you know nothing can get through their lungs are so swollen and they're in such a bad state and you know that's that's heartbreaking so for me for the first maybe up to the first year after mum died I would lie awake at night just feeling so scared for her and wondering how she felt in those moments before she was intubated when she was on the CPAP you almost it's it's a bit sick really but you almost try to recreate it in your head because you're just desperate to try to understand what what they went through but it would never do me any good to know I know that but it's a it's something that you feel you have to do it's the sort of process that you have to go through sure was there a goodbye were you able to see her body there was a funeral tell me about those yeah I mean obviously we went into lockdown I think on January 1st 2021 for those few months um so we were allowed to have a small funeral I think it's under 20 people so we just kept it to siblings with partners um and then a couple of very close relatives of my mum's and then we had the funeral was online then we weren't allowed to 
sit in we had to keep in our own household group basically for the funeral in terms of the situation it was very difficult because I really really wanted to see mum to see her body and and I know that a lot of people don't want to do things like that but for me it was something that I really knew I wanted to do I'd done it with my nan I'd done it with my granddad and closure seems like quite a harsh word for it but I I do believe for me personally just being able to say goodbye and just you know hold their hand one last time is important but we were told quite early on that that wasn't going to be possible that we could sit in a room with the coffin but that there wouldn't be any sort of open casket or any sort of chapel of rest in that traditional sense um so that was really hard that really cut me up the thing is though with there were so many things put on us by covid you know i'm a couple of years into the grieving process now and when i look back at all the various things i kind of think would they change would they have changed anything and actually you know the loss would still be there mom's still gone whether I got to see her body or not she's still gone so you know COVID made that grieving process hugely difficult but where I am today is trying not to dwell on things like that because they don't change what's happened you know my mom isn't here anymore and that's desperately sad but I have to kind of I can't let all of the sort of bitterness and resentment of everything that happened of you know how she caught COVID or how I can't let that eat away at me yeah I have tried to put it behind me I think because the first year was so so tough just lying awake at night thinking about all of those things you know she didn't have a decent funeral I didn't get to see her body, you know, all those things that would normally be so important to me personally mm. didn't happen, you know, and that is that is difficult. She, you know, she didn't deserve that. I'm pretty sure none of the people that died of COVID deserved that or, you know, people that died during the pandemic, but not of COVID. You know, that was a really difficult time. I found myself like Googling, you know, grieving and some of the things that they suggested like you know being with family hugging family all of those things were taken away and we couldn't do so it was like oh how do I how do I cope because the goals had changed hadn't they for COVID you know everything was different sure and because these rituals didn't take place or were denied many COVID bereaved have struggled unable to close the circle and you've spoken very vividly to me about a couple of dreamlike experiences that you've had one of them you mentioned trying to reach your mum through a perspex screen can you elaborate a bit on that what happened there yeah that was a dream I had quite early on actually and it was a bit of a recurring dream probably in those first few months after mum had passed where there would usually be some kind of perspex screen and I could see her. She'd quite often be sitting in her dressing gown, not being cosy in her dressing gown in the evenings, and she'd be watching TV and I'd kind of be banging. And But all I could hear is me being muffled and not being able to, you know, get to her or tell her how I felt. And, you know, I do remember feeling really desperate at that time in terms of wanting to be able to sort of rip that perfect screen away and, and talk to her. And those dreams were really difficult. They left me feeling totally exhausted the next day. And, you know, it doesn't take a genius to read into those dreams and, and what they mean. You know, I, I wasn't with mum in the hospital. It was a limit to how many people could be with her. That was that was really difficult. I mean, naturally, if you have a relative that 
uh, end of life, you would be with them, you would be holding their hand. And we were given those restrictions of, you know, only one or two people are allowed in, in, in most places, I think that was the case. But also you were given this horrible fear of if you go in, you could get this as well. And some, you know, someone in your family could get it. And that was the scariest thing ever, because I look at my mum and if you'd have said to me at the start of the year, you know, do you think your mum's going to have passed by the end of the year? I'd have said definitely not. So I was really scared of COVID. I had no idea how it had suddenly come into our lives. And, you know, I think all of us siblings felt that sort of a fear of what, if it can do this to mum, what can it do to other people? It was Um, a very scary time. You know, it really was. Yeah. Then to sort of normal public life, really, and gave rise to, you know, so many different reactions and behaviours, you know. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned another dream-like sequence, or a dream, in fact, to do with the telephone and your mum. Yeah, I actually had this dream last week. It was lovely. I dream about my mum quite a lot, actually, and um, so does one of my younger sons, Um and, and my husband does as well. It's funny. My mum seems to just appear in all of our dreams quite a lot. And I love it because it's the time when I get to see her back in that, you know, in her body. And it's just amazing. But the dream last week, um, I was just in a house, not sure which house. There were, I think there were a few dogs around and someone was there and the phone started ringing. They picked it up and they said, is your mum on the phone? And I was like, oh, it can't be my mum. You must be mistaken. My mum's dead. She's passed away. And they were like, no, 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 they do this. You need to speak to her. And I was like, what? I took the phone um, and without a doubt, it was my mum. You know, she was like, hi, Stella. And it sounded so real. I just remember just feeling so happy in the dream. And I was, mum, are you okay? she's like I'm fine I'm really busy I'm really happy I'm you know doing my thing don't worry about me and I was like mom I desperately need to talk to you I need to talk to you and then the phone just went silent and she wasn't there anymore um and I just gave it back to the person and kind of woke up shortly after that just feeling amazing like every morning when I wake up my husband usually says to me how how you feeling today do you have a good night and I said to him I'm dreaming about my mum. It was amazing. Um, and it was, I, you know, I, lo- I love I love, having dreams. If she could visit me every night in my dreams, that would be the ideal. That sets you up for the day. You're cloud nine, really, I imagine. Exactly. Yep. Yep, it does. And, you know, I, I hope everybody who's lost somebody sees them in their dreams and gets that because it is such an amazing feeling. And, you know, I've got colleagues at work that I've chatted to about it and they've told me when they've seen maybe their mum or dad in their dream and, you know, it's it gives us all such a buzz. Brilliant. Oh, <laughs> you know, to think that think that you've you've been sort of visited by somebody that you love so much and they've come to speak to you and, you know, the positivity in that message from my mum of, you know, I'm fine. I'm keeping busy. I'm happy. You do your thing. That's you know that's amazing brilliant tell me a little bit about your sort of coping mechanisms I mean obviously the manner of uh, your mum's passing incredibly difficult the denial of these rituals what's helped I mean obviously you know it's a journey is there anything that has really made a difference or just to ease the pain I'm really lucky that I had counselling so I did get offered some free counselling through work but it was only six sessions so it wasn't much use but then I did decide to spend some money on actually 
having a counsellor for a period of time and she was amazing and really helped me. So I think, you know, just on a basic level, that's been hugely important to me. I think the main thing for me is talking about her. I think there's this horrible thing when people pass away where people think that you don't want to talk about them anymore or that it might upset you. And yeah, I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm devoid of feeling. Every now and again, I do burst into tears when I'm talking about my mum but most of the time it just fills me with absolute joy to talk about her and remember funny things about her and so she's a it's a go area in in our house that we talk about my mum my husband chats about her openly all the time both of my sons will chat about her and you know like the other week my eldest son he's 13 and he was hoping to get out of um, football practice because he was feeling a bit cruddy and the weather was a bit rubbish, so we thought the ground might be frozen. And he was like, uh, let's hope Nanny can make this happen happen for us, eh, Mum? Oh, brilliant. And I, was like, I was like, she's probably a bit busy to be checking out frozen ground. So and he sort of laughed and said, no, she'll do it. And then literally half an hour later, it got cancelled. And he was like, told you. And, you know, I love, I love that, you know, and I know that my mum would also love that, that role of being the sort of guardian angel and helping us all out and I think I think she'd absolutely love it and we've also had like an experience where my youngest son thought he saw her in a car so we were walking to school one day and he was like in a car and we walked fast to catch up with the car and the car was kind of pulling out and I could see it was a real likeness to my mum he was like that's made my day now that's made my day Um, and he literally went to school like jumping along because he was so happy that he'd caught a glimpse of what he thought might have been his nanny and I think for us that's that's what we'll keep on doing we'll keep seeing her we'll keep talking about her um she had so many little quirky things that she might say catchphrases or things yeah probably I probably can't say them actually but (laughs) she just had things that were very my mum so whenever she went to like park a car for example um you'd be sitting in the car and she'd be like everyone pray to the angels that we're gonna get a parking space pray to the parking angels you know and that's what we always do now as well we go into a car park and my husband's like let's hope the parking angels are here to try and find a, a parking space so I think you know having those Sharonisms I guess and carrying those on and in some ways the fact that my boys were are a little bit older so they had they didn't have enough time with their nanny but you know the youngest had nine years eldest sort of 10 11 years they do have some really good memories of her and things that they did you know last time they went to the cinema with her last time they went to McDonald's they they have all those memories and I hope that they stay with them and I think one of another one of your coping mechanisms is that you are choosing not to dwell on the things that Boris Johnson and his government did the flouting of Covid rules you know when you were going through everything that you've just described you've chosen not to be consumed by that that injustice that sort of lack of respect the criminal behavior really because they set the rules uh, yeah it's difficult to dwell on too much you know there's so much sadness around everything that happened and again I believe the government were totally unprepared we were all unprepared you know I was sitting in the office on the day that Boris Johnson first shut down and said we're all going into lockdown and I was in an office in central London sort of having a cup of tea and then sort of quietly packed away my stuff and said I think I'll go home now you know I think everyone was really naive about it and it's really 
really sad. Again, everything that happened with the government, though, doesn't change what's happened. Sure. Still gone and she's not here. So, you know, whilst I, it's not that I don't believe that they did wrong, of course they did. I have to, for me and for my own mental health, I have to focus on where I'm at now and continuing the relationship with my mum. Sure. Away from everything else. I mean, there are things that were more difficult for me, to be honest, than the sort of government situation. And that was more about people. I found work hugely difficult. I didn't take much time off work. And I found it was really difficult in meetings. There was lots of eye rolling about COVID being a pain. And I used to find that really difficult, that people would make sweeping comments about the situation. And I'd be sitting there thinking, you've got no idea. No, you've got no idea. And that was really difficult. And I think for people with, and, and I still get it now, still have people that make flippant comments. And I think, are you having a laugh? Do you really think I want to talk about whether I think the vaccine's a good idea or not? You know, but that's humans for you, isn't it? And, you know, the other, I guess the thing is, is that if, for example, you'd lost a relative to cancer, you wouldn't expect to go into a meeting and have everyone sort of roll in their eyes going, oh, this cancer thing is a total pain. Couldn't go, couldn't have my birthday party at the weekend because of it. Um, or I couldn't do this. Ditto with putting on the news or putting on, even putting on the TV, you know, there it was just everywhere at that time. And that was really difficult to get away from it. And I found it hugely difficult to deal with my anger at that time towards people, towards everyone I almost felt probably the lockdown was the best thing for me at that time just being in the house with my husband and sons who were sensitive to me and what had happened because I'm not sure I would have massively coped in the real world I found zoom calls extremely difficult with people that were insensitive towards covid so maybe it would have been different for me had I have had to go out and do the school run every day and it, you know actually interact with people I think I would have really struggled it's a curious thing isn't it that loss death to covid is sort of completely delegitimized really in the way that as you said you know those conversations would never be had about cancer for example yeah and you know this I do remember being in a meeting and a guy kind of saying like I mean I don't know a single person that's even had it yet you know it's only old people and I was thinking oh you know that's exhausting that you think that because didn't engage with that as far as we were concerned yeah I, I don't engage with that I just turn back to the work that we're doing and focus on work because people are entitled to their opinions I know Covid was a huge pain for some people but you know Covid broke my heart <laughs> you know it was it was it was a bit of a pain as well at times and I'm not denying that you know homeschooling two kids that was difficult it was a pain but the impact that Covid had on my life took another sure. took another road and actually took someone away from me didn't allow me to be with them or see them you know stole a life really that should have been still here you know with my mom would be having another grandchild in two months time three months time she should be here to see that she should be she should have been here to see my son turn into a teenager you know and all of those things got stolen away and I think people will never really understand that until they they've been through a loss I guess is sort of carrying on more positive things so I think after mom first died I put a huge amount of time into sort of the bitterness and the anger you know going through hospital notes looking for errors um and I guess that's changed me a bit now going 
you know, with mum being gone two years, my focus has now gone to kind of continuing things that I know mum would have been interested in. So um, she had an ancestry account where she just for her birthday, a couple of months before she passed, we'd got her DNA done, which meant that she could start tracking all of that. Um, I've now had my DNA done and I'm sort of linked into mum's tree and carrying on and trying to understand her family because she was um she sort of had a difficult upbringing where she didn't know who her father was so there's obviously so much to learn there and for me that's the better use of my time doing something positive to understand mum and her life as opposed to dwelling on things like doctor's notes and who gave her covid and and those kind of things it, it, that's that's just helped me to be able to change what what I do and how I respond to things great I'm grateful for my mum you know that I had her for many many years but she saw me get married saw me have two children saw me go through lots of highs and lows and I'm hugely grateful for that and I'm also grateful for what she's left behind because there's five of us in terms of siblings and that's amazing you know and again I'm not saying that there hasn't been highs and lows with my siblings but we all have each other's backs we all absolutely adored mum and again she's not off limits to talk about we chat about her all the time so yeah I'm really grateful for who she was and and I hope that's kind of made me into who I am and made my siblings into who they are and that's great you know if that was her purpose in life then it was a really great purpose what is her legacy I guess all of us it has to be doesn't it you know that's what she did yes she had a job and stuff but her legacy was probably bringing all of us into the world to do what we need to do and you know teaching us to be kind good people you know, she had a wicked sense of humor she was really quirky I think that she will live on through all of us you know things that my niece does for example remind me of my mum and things that one of my sisters in particular does remind me of my mum and so she you know she will live on through all of us that's amazing no <laughs> lovely well thank you so much for opening up your world to both me and to listeners I really do believe that you've explained and shared it would be hugely beneficial to people who are in a similar position I really do thank you and uh, obviously I'm extremely sorry for your loss thank you it's a particular yeah. thing isn't it grief I think it's a very personal journey it's something that you deal with on your own really I've come yeah. to realize you do but you you find people in funny places you know like I've got had a new job the last year and a you know a couple of colleagues got chatting to a young girl one day and it turned out that she lost both of her parents quite young and all of a sudden you kind of it's opened up a new conversation with somebody and you know I've met lots of people like that along the way yes and that's that's been really nice you know all of these people who I'd probably never really thought that much about before who've opened up to me and said actually I lost a baby or I lost my dad and you go wow how have they got through that and they have you know people get people are 
amazingly resilient aren't they and get through things I think perspective is is really helpful and I've often got got it from sharing you know a moment in time that I'm struggling with and then only you know for somebody to sort of share as you say their experience and then perspective really does help you know you realize sort of how fortunate you are I mean my dad was sort of 89 so that's you know a lot of time you know and as you say unexpectedly those conversations do help don't they definitely Thank you so much, Stella. Thanks so much for listening. Please do subscribe and review the podcast if you get a minute. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so via the show notes. The price of a coffee would be fantastic. And also please do follow Stolen Goodbyes on Twitter at Rice KMC and under Stolen Goodbyes or Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to participate, you can email stolengoodbyes at gmail.com or visit my website www.karen-rice.com. Good luck. Mm-hmm.